The 5-8, your Friday night hang. We take five of the week's most notable and newsworthy topics and spend eight minutes covering each one. Join me, Greg Oliar, and LB, Stephanie Koff, Friday nights, live, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. It's the 5-8. Here's what went down on Friday. Good evening. Welcome to the 5-8, where we discuss each of the week's five most fucked up topics for eight minutes each. So, five topics, eight minutes, two hosts, a guest, little singing, a lot of curse words, and as many cocktails as we deem necessary. LB, how are you? I'm well. I'm joining you in your Manhattan tonight. All right. It's a double Manhattan it's evening. It's a double Manhattan it. evening. I love yes. it. I love it. I didn't get to yes. have a Manhattan last week because I there was chaos here. And uh, yeah. I'm glad to be able to have one this week. Be back yeah. on the Manhattan schedule. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't want anything uh, because I was handling in your the chaos and the absence of you. Yep. Um, yep. But I didn't sleep at all last okay. night. I got two hours of sleep because the coyotes have come from Los Angeles to New York. They have followed me here and kept me up all night long. So we got a coyote problem. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so this stay away from the coyotes. Me, it might make me a little loopy. I have some water as well because I want to be sharp for our guest and I want to get to our guest. Because, yeah, yeah. Because he's, yeah, he's in late. a bad time zone. He's in a bad yeah, time zone. Stand yeah. up late. We're, we're grateful to him for, for, for staying up late. Um, yeah. I have, I have a little thing I got to get off my chest. I'm a little I'm a little irritated oh. about something. Oh, um, oh, I'm sorry. No, something that happened over the weekend. I mean, I went, you know, I went to the theater and, uh, you know, with this new girl that I'm dating. And, you know, she looked pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, they dim the lights and everybody's looking at the theater. And I'm like, hey, you know, I don't, I'm not really interested in that. This is a good time for me to get to second base. And then, you know, we're kind of going out and then they throw us out of the theater. Can you believe that? I mean. I know. It's terrible, right? I mean, she was also vaping and yelling at people and saying, um, do you know who I am? And And all this. Oh, I, did she pull the "Do you know who I am?" card? She did. I missed, I missed that, that yeah. part. You yeah. know, you were splashed all over the place. It was, was a really great dress, though. Yeah. Was, I yeah. mean, to be fair, I was a little tipsy, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. anyway, I am of course joking. This is what really happened to Lauren Bobert uh, over the weekend, who went to go see <laughs> Beetlejuice the musical with some guy, and um, got thrown out. And the, the first, the reporting was uh, it was because she was vaping and because she was belligerent. And now, right before we're going on the air here, it appears that there's video of him, like, basically, you know, fondling her. And oh, her, no. Yeah, it's a full on. Yeah. And her, like, you uh, know, practicing stick shift there in the in the old oh. theater. Um, so, yeah, it's not it's not a great look. But um, look, I know things are bad for Bobert right now. But Nothing the good happen. news is, uh, you know. The good news is not to worry because Ashton Kutcher and uh, Mila Kunis wrote oh. a letter saying that she's actually a good person. So nothing to worry oh. about, Lauren Bobert. It's all nothing good. Nothing to worry it's all about. Good. Yeah. yeah and, and Drew Barrymore came on later and cried about how she just had to hire her. She just had to vote for her. She <laughs> had no choice but to vote for Bobert. No, yeah. of course we're kidding with all that too, but we'll get to we'll get to these we'll get people to a little bit later we'll on. That. Yeah, yeah. And, and get to the stop yeah. joking about it, but actually tell you guys what uh What's been going on out there, which I'm sure our audience is well informed of. So, okay. Right. So last, last week, um, you know, I was, I was only here for a short period of time. And since that time I went on the, the Tony Michaels podcast and I, and on my own podcast, and I've talked a lot about this whole Kevin McCarthy 
impeachment ah, business. Set the timer. Is, it, yeah, yep. set the timer. It's just, okay. you know, it's obviously a crock of shit, but I am very curious to hear your thoughts on this subject. So, uh, you know, what do you think about this, LB? Uh, I, I'm, I get, this is where I get frustrated and it's not the frustration I used to have. It's not the outrage that I used to have, which is just went nowhere and no one was listening and it didn't matter. And the coverage was always so horrible. And we, I just feel like there's a, a sort of collective incentive to drive Americans off this cliff and with, from the journalism uh, about these criminals, um, not the Bidens, but the, you know, the Trumps the, that we had before and then, uh, and all the people around them and then into this sort of always the, the false equivalency, just the never ending false equivalency. And then at the far end of that, the Democrat leadership um, always coming back with, well, we can't really go after them in the way that the, that you guys all want us to, because if we do that to them, then they're going to, when they get power, they're going to do it to us. It's like, they don't even have the power and they're doing it to you. They do it to you no matter what. They're never going to not do it to you. So how about since you have a little power that we work so hard to give you, you do something about this. Now, I realize that McCarthy's got the majority in the House. And so we're stuck with this with the House. We're just stuck with this ridiculousness. Um, in terms of the, the underlying facts and what's been presented so far in this case, this inquiry that they want to go into for the impeachment, which, which appears to be, although I think the Afghanistan withdrawal is going to get thrown in there. It appears to be very heavily focused on Hunter Biden and Burisma in China and whether or not Joe Biden personally profited when he was not in office, maybe when he was in VP two administrations ago, um, off of Hunter's using his daddy's name to get ahead, using his dad's name, right? And maybe being on the phone call, even though the other people on the phone call said, yeah, Joe didn't do anything on that phone call. He just was like, hello, his son is you know, his son has addiction issues and his son is out there hustling and his son is using his dad's name. I remember Fergie doing this. Remember we had Fergie in the United Kingdom where she was uh, caught, you know, trading on Andrew's name with some very unscrupulous characters. So, uh, you know, and that, that this is happening while we all know that Jared Kushner walked out of that, his job, his job, he was working for the administration. Mm wasn't just a son or son-in-law. He was working. He was the guy doing everything. Remember, he had every single win he took credit for during the Trump administration or what they perceived to be wins. Jared, Jared took credit for all of it and then some. And Donald never had a cross thought about him or a cross tweet. He just was afraid of him. He was afraid of Jared. And we don't know why still definitively. We can only speculate. But so I normally would have been, if I was four years ago, I would be outraged about all this. And now I'm just like, <sighs> I'm just like, okay. You know, so that's what I think about Kevin McCarthy. I think he's spineless. I think he's what he is. I think he's in there to do this. And, yeah. and I don't think he's run. I think there was a whole article. I don't even remember who said it was saying, you know, well, it's really Matt Gates is the speaker <laughs> and it's not Kevin McCarthy. He's not, no one cares about him or is listening to him. He's there. He was put in there. He had to make all these concessions and deals. 
And it's he's like Bo Baird's date. If we can't stick shift you in the direction that we want, we're kicking you out of the theater. <laughs> this is what's happening to him. So I, I don't know. I do want to remind everybody, though, you know, of some of the stuff with Jared and then go to the more appropriate um, analog. Yeah. Analog, which is which are Donald Trump's actual sons. So. Jared, yep, he did. He got his $2 billion exit parachute from the Saudis for delivering Jamal Khashoggi, apparently, we don't know, or the Mideast piece, this is what it was. It was just Jared, ca you know, cashing in on all the business deals that all these people were always in with each other anyway. Um, we've got his rampant corruption around COVID. We still don't have any answers to that. We know that the PPP money was going to his friends. We know that he had his shadow COVID, whatever, coming up with ways to kill as many Americans as he could in blue states, thinking that would keep them in power. Um, we've got Ivanka and her hundreds of millions in cash out. And don't forget, Greg Goliar, don't mm -hmm. forget that in the transition of the Trump administration from Obama to Trump, in that, that transition era, that Jared Kushner had Kislyak in a meeting with Mike Flynn, I think was also there, and was looking for a back channels directly ah. to Putin. And who else was there was whoop, Sergei Gorkov, the head of the VEB bank. We don't know why, but the banker was there. The banker was there because someone was cashing in. Yeah. Someone was cashing in. I believe that after that meeting, Gorkov flew directly to Moscow to report to Putin, by the way. I think he did. Yeah, I think sure. he did. All right. Sure. But the more appropriate analogy it are the sons, right? Because they didn't work in the administration. Hunter didn't work in the administration. Hunter's no. not, we didn't elect Hunter and Hunter's not in there doing anything. And this was all stuff that predated. Well, let's look at some stuff that predated, right? We got Don Jr. Well, first of all, we had Eric Trump going, you know, we get a lot of money from Russia on the golf course, right? So- And, and the charities. And, and the charities, yeah. the fake charities and the mm -hmm. stealing from kids with cancer and- Yep. Oh, all that horribleness. Um, But- he got, uh, I don't want to say, it's not like Don Jr. had to get his dad on the phone to get a deal. His dad was the phone. It yeah. was Trump org. It's, yeah. it, this wasn't Biden org and Hunter Biden is running Biden org and Biden's absent. It, this, is, this was Hunter Biden doing whatever the hell he's doing because he's, he's the kid and whatever. And he had whatever skill set he had. No, no, no. Don Jr. was working for working for his dad, working for his dad and taking meetings in 2012 with the head of the BIV bank, right? Which is this very corrupt bank in the Baltics and, and Latvia and all these places. That's now, you can look that up, folks. It's the guy that was the head of that bank was laundering money for the drug cartels. <laughs> like, and Don Jr. is, well, I'm going to a meeting with this guy, right? So a for Trump org, for his dad, for his dad. He didn't have another business for his dad. That's what he's doing. And then we had the, Remember the torsion, Alexander Torsion? Mm. And, you know, who we got all that, that Don Jr. was in meetings with him about getting money from him. He's running a very corrupt bank. Again, corruption, money, trying to NRA, yeah. And this was the, it came out of the Jose Grinda uh, investigation over in Spain into or, Russian organized crime and and torsion's role in that. And, and lo and behold, he had to hand over to Mueller. Oh, yeah, this guy, the president's son is talking to this guy, you know. Not good. In the middle of an actual investigation into actual organized crime, transnational organized crime, out of Spain. Yeah. He also participated in the Trump Tower meeting, which was illegal, and was and the on, the, on the cover of Time magazine with the heading red-handed. That's right. 
So I don't know. Are we supposed to be outraged? Are we supposed to what? I, what's what for me is. I just feel like we have to continue to keep bringing these things up because that you can't report on Hunter with and this whole thing without doing this. You can't both sides in one direction. Yeah. They're both siding in one direction and normalizing the Trumps by vilifying the Bidens and, and f- trying to find corruption there, yet never going back and and balancing that out with what I just did right there. Well, it's not that hard. This took me five minutes. Well, eight, but yes. Eight. That's what that's what the media Eight minutes reports. here, five minutes of prep. Five yeah. minutes of prep. Yeah. You yeah. know, from their own reporting. From their own reporting. Yeah. I didn't pull this off of crazy blogs. I got this from the fucking New York Times and from the MSM, you know, NBC and their affiliates and CNN and their affiliates. So they're even now having, as New York Times did when Donald Trump was running, they're having amnesia about their own reporting, about their own archives. They can't even be bothered to to surface up their own reporting. So I, you know, that's what I think. That's what I think about McCarthy. I know I went all the way there, but that's what. So what do I, I don't know what to think about McCarthy, whatever. He's doing what he's doing, the deal he made. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that was good. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. So is that what you wanted to hear? Okay. That's what I wanted to hear. I'm going to have a drink. I think it's also funny. The last thing about Hunter Biden, I think it's, it's extremely ironic slash, I mean, Alanis Morissette should show up and sing the song that he's being indicted on a gun charge. Where's all the second amendment bros now? Where are you? Shouldn't you be picketing in front of Hunter Biden's house? You fucking hypocrite losers. Anyway. How about we just, you know, call, someone had a tweet out calling for, um, all right, let's call for background checks, universal background checks, call it the Hunter Biden bill, <laughs> background check bill, and let the Republicans vote against it. Yeah. This is the kind of thing I mean when I say the Democrats are just sitting there going, oh, no, they'll do it. Like, do that. That's yeah. actually a great idea. It is a great idea. Get do it, it done. All right. Moving along, because we, we don't want to keep our guests. We don't want to keep our guests. Yeah. Uh Okay. This is called JFB. Okay. Um, So there's a lot of op-eds circulating lately. I've been reading or seeing about how Joe Biden shouldn't run because he's too old or he's selfish or he's this. Or uh, what they really mean is that he should pick a new vice president because Kamala is unpopular and I don't like how she laughs and why don't people like her and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, we have David Ignatius at the Washington Post. We have Jonathan Chait at New York Magazine. We have Nate Silver, who apparently oh, I, 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 I've thought of a good nickname for him. Broken clock because he's right like twice a day. And that's it. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. kind of by accident. So twice a you know, decade, yeah, maybe. what are all these people have in common saying this? Gee, I wonder. Um, yeah, they're all white dudes. So, OK, look, I get, you know, I get if you want to replace Biden, if he sucks. Right. He doesn't, he's awesome. Like he's doing a really good job. And I think people, I I keep saying this and I don't know if it's landing right. He is the best president of my lifetime, period, full stop. There's nobody even close to doing what he's doing. And when you think about where the country was uh, when he came and took the job, we were in the middle of the fucking pandemic, which was exacerbated by Trump. We're in the middle of this chaos Uh, The insurrection just happened to the point where we were worried that there was going to be violence during the inauguration. Okay, now we're totally back to the media having the luxury to fuck up again. 
right? <laughs> Why? Who's responsible for that? Joe Biden is responsible for that. Yeah. Okay. So well, they thank him for their laziness. They get to be lazy. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. They're boys. Fucking people are bored and they want fucking clickbait bullshit articles. He's done a great job on the domestic front. The economy is doing really well. The foreign policy stuff is really hard right now. Putin is hard. That is a hard situation to manage. Trump had almost destroyed NATO. Biden put it back together again in two fucking weeks because yeah. he knows all these people because he's been around for a long time. And sometimes in some jobs at certain moments in history, experience is actually kind of important. And yeah. this is one of those fucking times. I'd rather have a guy who's 80 and awesome than a guy who's 50 and fucking sucks. Ted Cruz is Gen X. We want him. No fucking way. So, you know, I don't get that. Okay. And then there's the whole, he's not going to get rid of Kamala. It's not happening. But Joe Biden is authentically popular with the African-American community in this country. And the reason why is, okay. And I saw somebody wrote about this on, on Facebook and I can't remember who it was because he was the vice president for Barack Obama, comma, the first black president, comma, for eight years. Okay. And he's and did it and did it well. Yeah. Yeah. Great. He could have been an asshole about it. He could have been. Yeah. He was not. He he showed by eight years of actions that he's an ally. That's what he did. And everybody knows it. Now, flip side, Donald Trump, Jesse Waters on Fox News with a straight fucking face says that Trump is gangsta because he has a mugshot now and that that will make him give him more cred with the black. This is a real thing. Look at Kat. Catabucozale's thing. They actually said this, okay? Yeah. They're desperate. And and this is an authentic thing. Now, I, you know, David Ignatius, fine. He has great things to say about foreign policy. He ain't the backbone of the fucking Democratic Party. No. The backbone is the backbone, okay? And and union workers. Yes. You know, <laughs> and it's, we're, it's, we're it's, certainly it's ridiculous. having a moment. Look, labor's having a moment right now. Yes. Who chose Kamala Harris to be vice president? Joe Biden did. So he's he's every other choice he's made has been great. I accept this choice as great also. Joe Biden, when he took the job, had a reputation as being a middle of the road, not very progressive person, politician. He's had a very progressive presidency. Why the fuck do you think that is? Is it uh, maybe because Kamala is kind of like influencing him? Duh. Yes. OK, there's all these Kamala's not pop. The polls say, oh, the polls, Nate Silver. Is that what says the polls a year and a half before the fucking election? who gives a shit? Every time she goes anywhere, there's lots of crowds and people are excited. And look, I'm going to end here. OK, with this point that there are the same people that said eight years ago, well, I want a woman president, but I don't want it to be Hillary. And then they said, I want a woman president, but I don't want it to be Nancy Pelosi. And then they said. Uh, are the same people now saying, I want a woman president, but I don't want it to be Kamala Harris. Those are the three most fucking qualified people we've ever goddamn had for that job. So if you don't want those three as president, maybe you don't actually want a woman president. OK, sit on that. And anybody watching this, if people don't like Kamala, that's what you should say. Call them out and their fucking misogyny. OK, last thing. It's you know how people are like. F FJB, fuck Joe Biden, fuck Joe Biden. No, not fuck Joe Biden. It's Joe fucking Biden. That's it. And having a drink. Lovely to have you back, Greg Oliar. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you have anything Let to me add? See. 
No, I have nothing to add to that. I loved it. And you, you did it with two minutes and 30 seconds to spare. Oh, good. Because I don't so want to keep our guests waiting. We're, I don't want to keep him waiting either. Let's this roll, might be the roll, best roll. we've ever done with this, by the way. I, know. I think this is the best we've ever done on not Very keeping somebody exciting. waiting. Good for us. Um, okay. <laughs> we've shown this before. It has a, a little tweak, but you know what? And, and we thought about it. Should we show it again? It's 9-11 week, so fucking yeah, we're showing it again. There we go. I know what you're thinking about Live Golf, the new golf tour funded by the Saudi royal family. Sure, it's sweet that so many golf gods like me are getting paid insane amounts of money to play golf, but what about the moms? What about the kids? Hi, I'm Phil Mickelson, and I'm here to tell you about the latest fairway fun from MBS and Friends. Live Golf Kingdom. And Live Golf PGA. Kingdom is great for the whole family. At Live Golf Kingdom, our driving PGA. ranges are world class. Even the ladies can tee it up and take a few whacks, although the gals have to use the irons because the Saudis don't like it when women drive. At Live Golf and Kingdom, we PGA. have the best mini golf courses on the planet. Navigate your ball through the dismembered Jamal Khashoggi body parts on the third hole, and you get a free Live Golf bone saw. If you hit the top of the scale model of the World Trade Center with the special 9-11 ball, the replica twin towers collapse into a pile of rubble, and you win a and Live Golf Center box cover. And get this, if you get a hole-in-one on the 18th hole, you literally strike oil. The kids love it. Between the golf, the sword dancing, and the orb fondling, Live Golf Kingdom and really does have it all. So come on down to Live Golf Kingdom, and or else the, the Crown Prince will have you beheaded. <laughs> Just kidding. He only does that to civil rights activists, dissident journalists, and gays. And now, back to the show. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Thank you, Chunk, for the excellent animation. <laughs> And calling out Chunk also for the for the Lauren Boebert Beetlejuice uh, <laughs> Beetlejuice in the uh, those opening credits, which uh, yeah. Uh, By the way, I, um, I made this. I'm just going to show this real quick because yeah. we have we're I'm we're right on time here. I just I made this today this morning because yeah. fun with Photoshop. <laughs> so there you have it, new, new Beetlejuice cast. Yeah, it's good stuff. I know you sent it to me like. He's like, can you take his head off if it's not bloody? It's like, well, yeah, it's part of the plot. In I don't know. I don't yeah, know. yeah. All right. All right. Now, okay, our guest is a former diplomat and a consultant. He's the author of an excellent book called How Britain Broke the World. Um, he has a new podcast. He's had podcasts before. His new podcast is called Behind the Lines, joining us from the United Kingdom. Arthur Snell. Arthur Hello. Snell. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, thank you for staying up late with us. Uh, are you are you having a cocktail as well, or is it, is it too late now for you? No, no, I, it's never too late. Oh, yeah, yeah. cheers, cheers, Excellent. cheers to you. So uh, now this is the third. I think this is the third podcast iteration that you've had, and uh, they're all great. I love listening to this stuff because you you know you obviously know so much. You've been you've been all over the world and served in a lot of different places, and you in that time, obviously know a lot of people who are experts in all these areas. And uh, the work on Ukraine was great. The, the last one that you did, um, this one seems to take a more a more uh, broader view of what's going on. So, um, so far you've talked about Ukraine, you've talked about some countries in Africa. Um, what, what, what's, what else are you planning to focus on in this? What, what's, what can we expect in the weeks ahead? Yeah, so I've, um, Behind the lines, this new podcast, I, I thought I, I wanted to have the excuse to kind of go anywhere. Um, and of course, people are very inter interested in what's happening in Ukraine. So we're not going to ignore that. 
but as as you've mentioned there yeah we we we've gone a bit more global so actually next week we're going to be talking about libya um okay. it's uh, people i'm sure are aware there's been these terrible floods in the town of derna got wiped out but of course part of the reason the town got wiped out is that libya is no longer a country um you know it's it's a place on a map it has two governments it's got these kind of different warlords and different groups in different areas so sort of look at that a bit but we'll, we'll be going back to Ukraine. We'll be looking at, um, we may even look at uh, your wonderful country, which uh, has huh. some complicated things going on. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to hear an episode about our country with non-Americans talking about it. That would be fascinating. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. 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 That's a great Make idea. Make it happen, Arthur. <laughs> we're, so, we're, we're working on it. <laughs> good. I love it. Um, so, but let's start with Ukraine because obviously things are happening there. Um, yeah. It seems to be I've been I've been I've had Crimea on the brain. I, I had some uh, an expert on who's a native of Crimea on my podcast, and I've written about it a little bit. And I was listening to our friend Zarina Zabriskie interview Ben Hodges, the, the retired American general, talking yeah. about Crimea being kind of the you know kind of the end all goal for the Ukrainians because once they liberate Crimea, there's the Russians don't care about Donbass. They just that's what they want. They only want Eastern Ukraine to get to Crimea. And now there seems to be a lot more activity there. Um, no thanks to Elon Musk. But um, they've hit some some ships and some cruisers. And now we've given them these weapons that can launch into Crimea. So is this a thing that's happening? Is there real movement there? What do you think? Is, what's going on in that in that part of the world right now? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. Um, and as you say, that's the thing that the Russians really want. And so if we go all the way back to 2014, of course, that's when when the Russians uh, seized Crimea. Remember those little green men running around? Mm -hmm. but the, the thing that a lot of people forget is that even prior to 2014, the Russians had their naval base down in Sevastopol. So, so prior to uh, Putin's invasion of Crimea in 2014, there was this, this deal in place, albeit a deal that the Ukrainians never really had much choice over. So Crimea has been important to the Russians for a very long time. And this most recent strike where they, they took out a submarine, the Ukrainians took out a submarine at the, the naval dock, dockyard there in, in Sevastopol and this other ship. Um, you know, that's really like striking at the heart of Russia's naval power. And it's amazing if you think about it, Ukraine doesn't have a navy and yet they're destroying the Russian navy. I mean, you know, that, that so takes you doing. <laughs> I, we love it so much. That was what? That was yesterday? Was that just? Yesterday? Uh, yeah, I think the day day before. Yeah, but um, but th they've been building up to this. So they, the um, the Russian air defense. You know, Russia's always had a very uh, impressive air defense, and, and obviously over Crimea in particular. And so, up until a certain point, it it was pointless firing these missiles. So they're using. There's a storm shadow, which actually was one the, the British gave them. There's another one the French gave them. There's various different longer range missiles the Ukrainians have. But there was no point in them using it until they'd taken out this Russian air defense. And it was a commando raid about a couple of weeks ago that did that. But I don't think many people noticed because, you know, that in itself, it was just one of these little things that went bang in the night. But now what it's done is it's it's made them vulnerable down there in Crimea. Uh, it's good to see. I, I what I what I'm hearing and reading is that, yay. you know, the Crimean people, the people that live in Crimea, um, even the Russian ones and the Russian speakers want Russia to be gone. That that seems it seems to be even the, you know, the population there is kind of like, OK, we're, we're done with you. Okay, get out of yeah. here. Yeah. Well, I think that's right. And so I was actually I was in Kiev in April this year 
and I had I had a meeting at the um, the Crimea office that they have there in Kiev, which is kind of the government in exile for Crimea for when you know the the sort of equivalent of a state government, I guess. Um, and they were showing me all this information about what the Russians are doing to the population there. And of course, you know, if if you turn up in in Crimea with a Ukrainian flag, you get arrested. You know, people are disappearing. There are there are all kinds of kind of violations of, of basic rights. And of course, in a way, you could say that's not surprising, but it's it's kind of ironic because, of course, the Russians are telling us that they liberated Crimea from Ukrainian fascists. We all know that's bullshit. But then if you look at the way that they treat these places, even the ones that they claim are the places that they're trying to protect, you know, they they they, they treat the population with the same level of disdain that they seem to do everywhere else, of course. Yeah. The... Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's a tourist economy from what I understand. Like it, they, they need pe they need tourists to go there and stay at the beaches and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's bad. for The Russians are bad for business, which they are pretty much everywhere, I think. You know, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, historically, Crimea was this beautiful place that every every Russian had a happy memory of having visited there at some point. Um, and, uh, you know, in, 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 in the old days. Um, and of course, that they've destroyed that and and they'll never be able to go back. And of you know, there has been, I think, even among people who are quite, um, you know, who, who are supportive of Ukraine, sometimes there's been this idea where they say, well, there's a deal to be done there. You know, you, you let the Russians keep Crimea and, and, and then and then that might be a deal to end the war. But then you just have to turn that on, on its head and say, well, how would how would Ukraine feel? So this country that keeps invading them gets to keep a bit of their own land that's joined on that is full of military installations and all kinds of other, uh, you know, sort of strategic sites. It, it's absolutely impossible that Russia can keep Crimea if Ukraine is ever going to be secured. So, it, you know, retaking Crimea is just as important as retaking any other part of Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it on a map, too, it's pretty obvious where it belongs. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It would be like, you <laughs> know. It would be like Pennsylvania saying, hey, we're taking Long Island from you, New York. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. It just, you know, ge ge geographically, map-wise, it doesn't make totally. any sense. Now, okay, uh, straying a bit from Ukraine, we, I want to talk a little bit, because you've spent time on this on the new podcast, which I think is great because it's underreported, certainly in this country. Um, and I'm talking about Africa. Yes. Um, and there's been a series of coups in countries in Africa. And there's stuff happening right now, I believe, in Niger, where the French... Uh, you know, the embassy is something's going on with the French embassy there. And um, the guest Brian class was talking about a coup contagion in yeah. Africa. So just for people who don't know, which includes me until I listen to the podcast, tell us a little bit about what is happening there. What's happened in the last yeah. year. Yeah, Maybe. sure. So um, if you, if you basically, if you look at a map of Africa and take the, the furthest Western tip and kind of draw a straight line all the way across to the Red Sea, so, so, you know, all the way to to opposite the Arabian Peninsula, um, every country on that line has had a military coup at some point from 2021 to now. Wow. Um, and that's like a what, what are we talking about? Four thousand mile line of territory. I mean, we're talking a huge area of land. So countries that everyone's heard of, big countries like Sudan, obviously people are familiar with the coup in Niger recently. But there was already uh, in Mali in Chad, in Guinea, in Burkina Faso, a whole set of countries, uh, and, and they're all kind of next to each other. And, and it's not, um, this idea of the coup contagion, it's not simply, obviously, that if, if the country next door has one, you think, well, we might do it. But as Brian Klaas, who's a professor in, here in London, 
uh, was explaining on, on my podcast, um, when uh, soldiers are thinking of seizing power in a country and they look at a nearby country and they've seen it, it seemed to work out okay, you know, not too much bad stuff happened after you seize power. Well, that's one of the, the reasons that, that you might continue to do it. But there's a wider context, which is that these countries in the so-called Sahel region have gone through about a decade of kind of deteriorating security. And Greg, you, you mentioned the French there. You know, the, the, there's been this historic French role in that region. And, and you had all these kind of stabilization missions. And to be honest with you, what the French have experienced there has been a bit like what uh, the, the Americans and others experienced in Afghanistan. You know, they went in with a lot of, with, of, of probably the, the, the best of intentions, trying to stabilize these countries, maybe bring a kind of democratic future. And for all kinds of reasons, these things really don't work out. And you end up, the, the country becoming less and less stable, you become less and less popular, you know, and, and, it, and basically, you know, to, to in, for want of a better term, it's a shit show. <laughs> and, mm. and the, you know, in most of these countries, the, the French forces have pulled out and, you know, there were American forces in Niger. Um, yeah. Most of those have drawn down. So you, you end up with these, these kind of big, unstable uh, spaces of, of territory and then others move in and that's where where wagner yeah the russian mm-hmm. they're now all over this region but then you know that when they go that they, they go to try and grab the gold and the diamonds and the yeah. other things that they can kind of loot the country with yeah what oh go ahead Obi. well i was just gonna say <laughs> you also have the the, the uh I just was thinking of Jared Kushner and Benny Steinmetz and Dan Gertler and these other sort of oligarchs via Israel, right. That have been long been in those regions um, profiting off of the destabilization. I don't know if, if participating in the destabilization, but certainly profiting off of it. Um, So it is about the diamonds. It is about the golds. It is about the minerals. Um, So it's a rich continent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that guy you mentioned, Benny Steinmetz, in particular. I mean he's he's um, you know he's contesting it, but in a Swiss court, he has I think twice been convicted of having paid uh, bribes to the president of Guinea. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and this is for, you know, these sort of billion dollar deposits of, of different minerals. And of course, you know, the the average citizen of that country doesn't see any of that. Right, and it, that was Alan Dershowitz's client, and Jared Kushner's wallet. Yeah. In the developments in New Jersey for his uh, for the Kushner family, for their real estate uh, fortunes. Uh, so the same group of people, we always yeah. Arthur come back to the same group of people. Yeah. It's almost like it's a crime syndicate. Well, right. And but since I, I know Jared Kushner is, you know, one of your favorite people, um, it's <laughs> worth remembering that in, in Libya, which, of course, is is adjacent to the yeah. countries I'm talking about here, you have this very complicated connection between there's there's this guy Haftar who was the um, uh, the the kind of warlord in the region where this terrible flood happened, and of course you know he's far too busy being a warlord to worry about flood defenses or repairing the dams or whatever, and Haftar uh, at, at one stage got a whole load of help from the Wagner group again. But there was another stage where Eric Prince. Do you remember? I remember with the helicopters and the thing. And All let right. Him you with and your um, and yeah. of course, that brings us back to the same the same crowd of people. Same and crowd of people. Who was paying 
Haftar all this money so that he could hire Eric Prince or hire Wagner? Well, you know, the money came from uh, Saudi Arabia, of course, because who else has all this money? <laughs> what a surprise. No way. Say it is, is this the Mideast peace? Is it happening in Africa? Is, what's happening here? <laughs> this is all. Yeah. It's just such a the, the 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 languaging around it and the storytelling around it is such garbage. So I'm I'm so pleased that you're um, bringing light to it and bringing it you know bringing facts to bear and like actually letting people having people understand that. It, it always has felt like, okay, well, Africa has its own, it's like a thing over here and it's terrible, but it's uh, felt isolated. So to bring it yep. into the conversation of, oh, no, no, it's connected to all of these things, um, you know, that we're, that are coming at our, demo our Western democracy as well, uh, I think it's very important. So, yeah, I totally you. agree. I have a question about the, the, the coup. I like coup contagion. I like that mm. phrase. That's from the podcast, your podcast. Um, the One of the reasons that the coup people in the various countries, I think, have been emboldened, at least I think this is what Brian was talking about, was, yeah. you know, the sort of tepid response from the West. You yes. know, somebody looks at it and says, oh, no, no, you know, it's like jaywalking. It's like, oh, he walked across the street. Cops didn't do anything. I might as well do it. You know, yeah. and finally you're like, fuck it. I'm not. Why? Why am I waiting? For, no one's waiting for the light. I'll just go. Yeah. And uh, not to make light of this, because it's obviously a serious thing. But what should the West do differently than it's doing now to help? Because I feel like we're in a global kind of war that is an undeclared war against this these sort of fascist dictatorial regimes. Um, these are all, you know, they're military coups. They're obviously all dictatorships to some degree we would rather not have that. So what, what should we be doing? What can we do? Not yeah. us personally, but the governments even. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. And, and you're absolutely right. Obviously that there's a global struggle for democracy at the moment. And, you know, the, the, someone, some people were trying, you know, General Flynn wanted to have a coup in, in Washington DC, didn't he? So it's, um, you know, <laughs> the coup contagion, um, it's, it can spread far and wide. And I think, yeah. I think that basically what's happened is that um, a, a, the sort of the wealthy countries, we go to global north or the west or whatever, however we term that, have have kind of turned in on themselves. Obviously, Ukraine has sucked a lot of attention and that rightly so. It, clearly, that's a, that's a big priority. Um, but actually, uh, you know, for a long time, there were there were financial sanctions or other kind of sanctions that, that would be put onto the leaders of these countries if, if they carried out a military takeover. And these days, I think it, it's all becoming a little bit sort of uh, softer because ultimately um, there's, there, there is this kind of sense that, well, it's all a bit complicated. We just have to leave these countries to do their own thing. Now, you know, as I mentioned there that with this thing of the French intervention, you know, I'm not saying you should send armies there because I think we've learned we learned from the, the the years in Afghanistan and Iraq and so on that intervening in that way doesn't necessarily help. I think actually it's the very slow stuff about sort of building up institutions. And of course, you know, if you're lucky enough to live in a democracy, you know that the democracy didn't happen overnight. It built up over decades and centuries. And, and we've just got to help those countries to have, have the same process. I would say educating girls always seems to um, make big change happen yeah, over time. So um, there are things like that. And I know we have our NGOs in there and their global NGOs. 
yeah. uh, that spent quite a bit of resources and time and, and focus on Africa. I think those uh, those kinds of interventions also should have uh, maybe a higher degree of inspection um, on a regular basis uh, from the Western nations and democracies that are that are pouring the money through them into there. Um, I just have like a you know there's like there's stories of how things can work, yeah. um, but you need creative, smart people on the other that are corrupt that aren't participating in the corruption on the yeah. other side of it yet know how to function within a corrupt place. And that to me, speaking to you as a diplomat, seems like that's the balance of I'm not going to become corrupt myself, but I've got to function within this in order for change yeah. to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point. And of course, another really important aspect, you know, the, the world's fastest growing populations are also in the countries of this region in the Sahel. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And, and so, I mean, in a way, you know, it, there's this sort of tragedy of these, very poor countries with um, quite limited population and, yeah, and yeah. But, but actually people are having huge families. And of course, some countries have allowed, uh, you know, d domestic ideology about family planning and so on uh, to cloud their, um, you know, their international development aid and so on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, alongside education for women which i couldn't agree more about is is also about you know family planning, family uh, planning. supporting that yeah okay now bringing it cl a little bit closer to home yeah um and again the africa stuff is great and i forgot wait i i i should i i yeah here i want to show this at the there end. we go there's oh, there your we podcast behind we're getting fancy here we're showing the i forgot that we could do this uh, we have the technology. We had to have uh, a guest. Lines are still. Arthur, no. wait a minute. We had to have a guest on last week to teach us how to do this who'd never worked with this system before. Okay. This yeah. is what we're up against here with ourselves. Yeah. Well, so, I, I feel now a pressure to show you how to do something you clever. Need to, we need to I give you some that. controls and then yeah. you can like, you know, help us. Yeah. <laughs> how do how do we negotiate in a room with Mike Flynn? Tell it no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so if you're watching this, um, check out this podcast. It's really good. Um, just go subscribe. Just hit the little plus button. Generally, just subscribe to podcasts because it helps us when you do that. Yeah, it really you does. Know, even right. if you don't listen, even to if it, you don't get around to listening to yeah, lessons, it, it really to helps. Episodes, so. please, please subscribe. Yeah. Please subscribe. Yeah. Please subscribe. Um, I think I forgot to put the banner back on. This is you know. You speaking, did. There we go. Speaking of technology. Uh, failing. Um, so, okay, bringing it closer to home. Now, um, fascist parties and right-wing stuff seems to be on the rise in Europe, particularly on the continent. Yeah. Um, I don't know why this is. I don't know if it's because of the parliamentary systems of government there where right-wing parties can have a, you know, more of a higher percentage than, you know, places like here. Um, what are you seeing? Are you concerned with what's going on in, in, in some of these countries? Um, what's your take on what's going on? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely it's definitely a source of concern. And, and you see these things rise and fall. So obviously, people are very familiar with Hungary, Tucker Carlson's favorite country, uh, which, which mysteriously uh, it was mysteriously popular. Um, but, yeah. you know, the, and, and that the fascists have taken over there, basically, and, and yeah. really interesting how just the other day, Vladimir Putin, he kind of apologized for the 1956, uh, you know, Russian invasion of Hungary, because that's the kind of last thing that he and Viktor Orban don't agree about. So he's now got that out of the way. And they, <laughs> he needs his friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Hmm. Um, 
and and I think quite often it's it's in in some of these smaller countries where possibly the politics is a bit less transparent, where maybe um, money goes a bit further. So there's an election later in the year in Slovakia, um, and the the kind of Slovakia's answer to Viktor Orbán is doing very well in the polling. Now we might say, well, really, does Slovakia matter? Well, so I'll tell you one way it matters. They manufacture a hell of a lot of the arms that are currently um, heading to Ukraine. Now, if, if they go the way of Hungary, uh, uh, Europe's ability to support Ukraine will, will, be, will be diminished. Um, so, so you have these kinds of situations. But then on the other hand, um, you know, that it's, we've got to think about some of the big countries. And, and the biggest one of all that really, you know, in this space clearly is France. Now, Emmanuel Macron, he's term limited. So the next presidential election, you go back to the Le Pen family. There's always, you know, fascists trying to take over France. They've been doing it for generations. Um, I, I don't I don't believe that that a Le Pen will win a presidential election in France, but they keep getting higher scores. Which one now? Who, who so is Marine Le Pen? Marine. This time. Right, Marine. Is she? Yeah. Okay, so it's still her. Oh, yeah. I thought there was some brother somewhere. Uh, well, there, there's all, there's a niece as well um, ah. who, who's who's in who you know she's sort of getting ready for the third generation, I think. So, oh, God. does she live in Nice? No, that would be too. <laughs> she lives in Cannes. Uh, I mean, that would be too clever. So, uh, and then what's going on now in in, uh, in your country? Because I. I love that you were on my podcast during the very, very brief Liz Truss interregnum. Yes, it's like a sort of a magical <laughs> moment in time. <laughs> but yeah. what's going on with Sue now? He seems like he's, I mean, he's not like, I, I want to go have a beer with the guy, but he seems at no. least, you know, like he knows how to drive the car. Is that the yeah, sense there? Yeah. I, no, I think, that, I think that's fair. I think he is, um, he, he's a kind of technocrat, you know, he's a fairly mainstream sort of technocratic, right-wing politician basically you know he's not he wouldn't he wouldn't do go very far in the kind of MAGA world but he'd, he'd like in a Mitt Romney administration he'd be like he'd be a secretary for something you know that's, <laughs> that's who he is um yeah so he's all right I mean he's 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 not doing well in the polls he's we, we've got to have an election next year all the signs are that the Labour Party would win um and given that we've had the Tories in for you know a decade and a half now it you know it's about time for a change um but coming back to thing about the kind of the, the, the this sort of fascism and fascism adjacent adjacent politicians i think what you have in in the uk context is you know they're all in one party and arguably that's perhaps what is what what's happening in your country you know that you have one big conservative party and and that has some moderates, not many left, and then you know, it some just has all the right. Nazis in it. <laughs> Let's yeah. just use yeah. the word; they are. It has them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I think that the UK Tory Party still, still probably has a reasonable number of moderates, um, but not not as many as it used to. And you know, mm. Boris Johnson kicked out a lot of the moderates. Mm. Um, yeah. So. I, Let's let's assume that the Tories do lose the next election. Then there'll be that usually infighting that you get once a party's just lost an election. And it'll be interesting to see whether the the kind of hardliners grab control or, or whether actually the party drifts back to the center. Yeah, I think all the hard anyone who would have seized control has already seized control. It's like the third yeah. the crisis of the third century in ancient Rome, except that they didn't die; they just got <laughs> pushed to the side. You know. Yeah. Um, so who would take over? Is it what's his name? Keir Starmer. I, I always it's that sounds like a Nazi like blog name to me. <laughs> Keir, the, the Daily Star. 
it is that who the guy is now yeah, or is yeah, it gonna so be he, somebody else no no that, that's him i mean he's he's, he's um he, he's actually he's he's quite a sort of a harmless character really he's so keir starmer he was a former chief prosecutor of yeah. of the uk um you know quite a sort of serious um respected lawyer um very very middle of the road you know not hard left definitely um and and yeah he's he's i think all the polls all the experts say he's the next prime minister now of course um you know pollsters are often wrong but i, I think it does look you know consistently the tories are 20 points behind and they have been for months on end so i, I think that looks that, that looks very likely now when is your okay. when is the election again well, it's it's not fixed, but everyone's saying it will be probably next summer. Okay. Uh, so some people are saying it's May, you know, May twenty four, but at some point in twenty twenty four. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. Yes. I think I, I'm actually. I think Starmer will be really good. I think he's like my sense is he's one of those guys that's kind of boring as a campaigner, but will probably be really great as an administrator. You know, because we confuse these two, the two things right. a lot. And it's yeah. like, maybe it's better to have someone who knows what the fuck they're doing, who isn't good well, on, as good yeah. on TV. It's yeah, sort of, it's got to be worth trying, hasn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've had a lot of ham in there yeah. for quite a while. Exactly. Yeah. A so, lot you of know, ham. After, once you've had Liz Truss as your prime minister, you know, you, you, you've tried <laughs> everything. Cabbage. So. <laughs> yeah, a little ham and cabbage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Going full Irish. Now, uh, I know, I know it's late. And I'm. We, we want to let you uh, go to bed, even though I know you're a night owl. I do want to ask you one thing, since you brought sure. up Mike Flynn, and I keep forgetting to ask you every time you're on. Huh. You, am I right in saying that you've met him before? Right, we, in, where in Baghdad. So he right. was so, in Baghdad. In, in yeah. the face of his that. life, when he was a, a serving military officer and had had yet to disgrace himself. Yeah. Um, he was. He was the the head of of the kind of um, military intelligence um in 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 iraq in you know in the, the u.s uh, army in iraq and um i would quite regularly go to uh meetings um where he was there and i mean i'd love to say well and i always knew he'd turn out into a complete crazy <laughs> QAnon guy and I, I wouldn't say i did i mean he was he seemed he seemed like a bit of a bull breaker you know he seemed quite annoying but yeah. you know you, he had the haircut a, and the jaw you right. know yeah, 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 exactly. Central casting was doing yeah. its work there. Yeah. But but if you're a general in a war zone, you're allowed to be a bit annoying. You know, that doesn't you know, <laughs> so it doesn't make you a coup plotter. <laughs> so right. I'm laughing like, of, of course, if you're a general in a war zone, you act like that. I know what that's like. I don't know what that that's like at all. No, I've been meaning to ask you that. So I you know, because I know is it one of these things? Because I when I worked at AP uh years ago, and I, I was not a journalist, I worked in HR, but I knew John Solomon who at the time was the deputy bureau chief for the Washington bureau or right. assistant, whatever he was. And he was like a totally nice guy. And now he's in the news as this crazy QAnon, Rudy yeah. Giuliani, Jason wackadoodle. And it's like that guy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't and, know. Like, and always never forgetting when we mentioned John Solomon and also Trump's designee after the fact of keeping his presidential records. Yeah, that too. That's it. You know that artist now. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. Added to the list of I don't know twenty of them. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, the question I often have about General Flynn is, what does his brother think? Because he has a brother who yes. is, I think, still serving as a yeah. general yeah. officer. Yes. And can you imagine what it's like at Thanksgiving? You know. <laughs> 
Well, they took the, there was one holiday where a lot of the uh, family, all the siblings got together. I don't know if that brother was there. Mm. And they all took the QAnon pledge around a campfire. Or something very adjacent to the QAnon pledge. We don't want to say that they actually did the QAnon pledge. Oh, really? All right. I I thought that was a QAnon. I mean, it's the same words in the same order. Tomato, tomato. (laughs) Let's let's call the whole thing off. All right. What do I know? What do I know? (laughs) Um, Okay. So wait, I'm going to, I'm now that we have the technology, I'm going to show this one more time. There we go. Uh, The podcast, the new podcast is called behind the lines uh, with Arthur Snell. It is, uh, it's really good. Um, and it's only a few, there were only a few episodes in, so you can get caught up pretty quickly and very very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Again, um, you're doing great work. I I love these podcasts. I think they're really valuable, like to, you know, to hip us to what's going on and, uh, you know, thank you for, for doing this work. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. It's a great pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much, Arthur. Have a good night. Cheers. Cheers. All Yay. right. <laughs> I'm so bad with transitions. I, you're, I'm trying you're to get better. better. You're getting trying better. to get better. Trying to get better. You are getting better. And better. um, and it's just lovely to have him on. It, it kind of classes us up a little bit. Yeah. So now let's let's eat the cherry in front of everybody. Now yeah. I'm not, re- I'm not to the cherry got, stage yet because I can't. You're keep, not to the cherry. Oh, he doesn't care if we eat the cherries. Fine. Yeah. Well, you're. I know. <laughs> it's the accent. You did. I did a half of a half of a Manhattan. Okay. Mm. I'm on my, I don't know. It's a bottomless Manhattan, sort of. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into our fourth topic. Okay. Uh, well, I've turned my page. Turn, turn your my page. page. Okay. I Here, you alluded to this before. Start yes, the timer. I did. You start the I, timer? I I'm, I'm on it tonight. Wow. For no sleep. You're doing a good job. No okay. Sleep. So you alluded to this earlier. We talked about Jared a little bit. But I remember uh, years ago, when I really, when I first met you, or even before I knew you, you were talking about Kushner. And yeah. the one thing you said is, why is Trump so afraid of this guy? Yes. He never says anything bad about him. Why? why do, this is when he was trashing everybody. He trashed yeah. his own family. It, everyone was a coffee boy. If the, And God forbid you take credit for something, anything. And, and he would let Jared take credit for everything. And it never went noted even yeah it's yeah. weird right okay and, it's weird you know, and what's weird about kushner too is he's a guy who does not have a constituency and what i mean by that is even even like a donald trump jr he has a lot of followers he's like look yeah he's a charismatic i know we don't like him we, we know this he's a charismatic guy He's he a douche lord. And yeah, so there is. are other douches yeah. that, excuse my language, but that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. We know this guy. He, yeah. You know, he's, he's with Aubrey O'Day. Like it's, he's not nothing. He has people that like him out in the wild. We Kushner, look at him and we go, okay, we can see the other people that would like him, that ha- that yeah. would be his buddies. He'd have running yeah. buddies. I could see an alternate reality of me where I'd be like, yeah, I like this guy. He's he's my kind of douchebag. Like if I if I yeah. turned out to be a Republican jackoff, I'd be like, this guy's funny, yeah. you know. But even Elon Jared Musk, Kushner. even Elon Musk has his fans, a lot yes. of fans, lots of yeah. fans. He he yeah. is a genius. He's Karis a repulsive human so, being, but yeah. he's but we I get he's got his constituency. He's got his constituents. Yeah, that's right. Jared Kushner, he's fucking Carly Kloss's brother-in-law. Like who the fuck gives a shit about this guy? No one likes him. 
Nikki yeah. Haley said he was a secret genius, but I don't, he doesn't have like that, that grassroots group. Like, you know, you, every once in a while you hear like, oh, he's friends with Kushner. Hugh Jackman, friends with Kushner. Van, whatever his name is, uh, Jones, what's his name? The guy on the CNN? Yeah, Van Jones. Yeah. Uh, friends with Kushner. It's like, he has these Kanye friends, West. you know? Um, and then obviously MBS and Netanyahu and all this. By the way, oh my God, I'm skipping topics. Did you see that Elon Musk went to meet with Netanyahu to to offer like absolution because of the anti-Semitism? No. Yeah, he's How meeting did with, I miss that? with he's like two criminals meeting with each other, you know, to like fucking talk about that. It's so it, I can't even. I can't the. In that meeting, the fucking simulation might blow up. Anyway, that's that's a tangent. It, it amused me to no end. I missed so, it. Getting back to it, Jared Kushner has no constituency, and yet everyone seems to be terrified of him, including the fucking DOJ. Because I wrote a piece in 2018 about all the laws that he'd broken, including lying on his SF-86 form, which he did like multiple times multiple in times. various drafts. And every, time do it, and every time yeah. Nobody cares. Know. It's whatever. Nobody gives a shit. Blah, blah, blah. No. And now he leaves the thing and immediately gets to manage. Now, people say they gave him $2 billion, and that's not true. Okay. He was given the $2 billion to manage as money. So it was not, no, it's, I, I don't want to, I want to make sure we get the facts right because they're fucking bad enough. He gets a percentage of that, which is not, it's, I think it's like $28 million a year from that shit. Right, he gets to manage nice. it into his own, his whatever own shit. And the Saudi people, when <laughs> even the Saudi money people were like, "Why are we doing this? This guy's a fucking moron." Yeah. They were like, "It's really an investment in getting to have good relations with Jared Kushner." So again, why the fuck does Saudi Arabia want good relations with Jared Kushner? What's so goddamn important about this guy? What is it with him? What is it? Tell us, LB. Do you know? Maybe. <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot. We're just talking, you know. We're but just it's talking. A, it's a rhetorical question in a sense. I will say it this way. He's a horrible human being. He killed a million Americans. Horrible. He is the worst you can conjure up. He's dumb. I do think he's the dumbest of them all. Um, but I think it's pretty obvious you know, who and what he traders for. And, uh, you know, there's crooks abound around mm. him. Crooks abound. Yeah. And, you're, you know, and, and people are afraid of him. They're afraid of him. I think that has to do a lot with, you know, he had a very, very powerful publicist that was like his mentor and, uh, surrogate father while when his dad was in the penitentiary and the federal pen and <laughs> um and then after he's got rupert murdoch you know pecker too he controlled all that ami shit oh that's true yeah mm. so I, he's got a lot of powerful people around him that have that are um you know and they can these are people who can make careers and, and break careers of of journalists so i think journalists are uh I think people are afraid of him in that way. I don't know what he's like in person or behind the scenes, but boring. 
I gonna guess? It's just like I don't know. You know, uh, it's a it's a bad situation with this guy. It just is. It's a bad, bad situation. And I wish the Department of Justice took it seriously and stopped doing the kinds of things that we know that they did in the 90s, if not earlier, and in the 2000s with uh, letting very notorious characters on the world stage run their shit and look the other way because they're afraid of the other places that those that individual might be connected to. I just wish that would stop. I don't know how to make it stop, but it would be nice if it stopped. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to speak in code, everybody. I just don't want to get sued. I'm on strike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't have pocketbooks that stretch out to the lengths of all of this. A good, great, good, good reporting. Investigative journalism needs to return. Um, I'm not saying it's completely gone, but certainly it's it's rough out there for journalists uh, that do great work and they need money to and they need resources and they need support um, to do the kinds of stories that would illuminate that question, you know, and get sourced and go through all the rigors of journalism that are required. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that pushes the Department of Justice like, oh, OK, there's stuff in the out in the open about this guy. Let's go for it um, and would help. But. You know, those resources seems to get choked into these corporate channels and away from um, away from the talent that could actually break the story. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. This guy, you know, he's. Florham Park is where his office is. It's right up the street from, you know, where I grew up. And it it drives me mad. I can't. I, on behalf of New Jersey, I want to apologize for Jared Kushner for Leonard Leo, for Sam Alito. Jesus Christ, man. We're not doing so good. Got some good stuff coming out of Jersey, too. I I feel like there was something else we were going to say about him. Um, I don't know. Oh, here's another question. Just a a way to frame it. Okay? Okay. Just a way to think about it. All right. Steve Mnuchin. Your friend, Steve Mnuchin who ran the fucking treasury department, managed the PPP for four years. He stayed the whole time yeah. quietly. The only time he made any headlines was when his, his, his wifey there went to Fort Knox and acted like <laughs> a bond yeah. villain. And also when he, uh, when he refused to turn over Trump's tax returns and when yeah. he would scold um, Maxine Waters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen his signature? Go look at it. It's funny. No, I can't. It's like block letters. It's I so dumb. Anyway, uh, he also, you know, started a fund after he left uh, the job. Yeah. Um, Fascinating. With some he, Saudi but Also, but he fucking worked for Goldman Sachs. His father ran the Goldman Sachs arbitrage department. Yes. Uh, and then he became an art dealer. Oh, fucking. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have it on, on some authority. Not great. Anyway, uh, so Mnuchin knows how to manage money. I think we can safely say. Maybe. Right. He has yeah. experience. He understands managing money. And, cents and rubles and. The Saudis yeah. gave him one billion and they gave yeah. Jared two. Two. So Jared fucking Kushner is twice as important. And again, the Saudis in their internal memo were like, 
this is basically done because we want to stay on this guy's good side. Yeah. So what the actual fuck? But, you know, well, I don't I do, know. You brought up a great name in Steve Mnuchin. And where is Steve Mnuchin? Why in the Middle East guy, making money. Why does that guy get to slip right out of all of that fuckery? Remember, he stood there as a Jewish man next to Donald Trump when Donald Trump said there were very good people on both sides of that, mm-hmm. of Charlottesville. There was Elaine Chow and Steve Mnuchin. And he didn't say a thing and he didn't leave and he stayed in that position. Yeah. Well, you know, like I, I said about, like I wrote about Jared long ago, I'm going to re I, I love rehashing old jokes. The acorn doesn't fall far from the trees. And that's just how it, it doesn't fall from the trees. And, and I, and I will say this for Jared's children, mm-hmm. they, they are so blessed to be able to look up to both of their grandfathers <laughs> who are both felons. <laughs> Both of their grandfathers are felons. Oh, my God. I don't know. I've been arrested. I should say have been arrested. We'll see if Donald gets convicted. If he gets convicted, I mean, he may he might be four times as important of a criminal as, as Charles Kushner. We'll wait and see. No comment. Okay. So, uh, yeah. All right. That, that's, the, that's the Jared Kushner segment. I, yeah. you know, again, it just boggles the mind that... Uh, um, we didn't talk about this. I just, this is the announcement section now. So just a All few right. people. Let's have some announcements. Well, a few quick things I want to hit because we didn't really hit them. Okay. I want to acknowledge that Mitt Romney left. He's leaving. He's not running for reelection. Mitt Romney is always uh, sort of the shorthand for um, the conservative OG GOP guy, right? Well, there's Mitt Romney. He's the only guy that voted to impeach Trump twice in the GOP Senate. And, you know, I think that Mitt Romney isn't um, a horrible human being. I think he, I don't agree with his takes on things. He's a Bain capital, like, you know, vulture capitalist asshole. And you you look at it like, remember when General Motors was on the brink of, of, of uh, financial ruin back during, in 2008, during that whole election cycle? And Romney said we should let it go bankrupt and we should just let the process play out. And Obama said, no, we're not going to let it go bankrupt. People's lives are at stake. There's lots of jobs here. We're going to float it. They're going to pay us back. And that's how we're going to do it. Now, from a sheer business school perspective, Romney was right. Yeah, absolutely. Let it go bankrupt and let the system play out. But he's not a guy that considers the human element in these things. And that's the difference. I think that whole, that, thing is the difference between the two parties of old the republicans are willing to be like okay well you know uh i know this is bad but you know the the textbooks say then the economy textbooks and the business blah, 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 we, so we have to do it this way and and it'll work out um and i don't think romney was you know i don't know you know by the book he isn't wrong and i don't think he how did i i, I don't think he meant badly by it i think he was earnestly thought that letting it go bankrupt would be the best thing to do. I don't think he was, you know, but he, it just didn't fucking click in his brain, you know, because yeah. he, he's not wired that way. But that Republican is gone. gone. There's no more OG Republicans anymore. So this is our announcement. Okay. There's our announcement either... is that's not, 
it's got stop being nostalgic. It's yeah, gone. it's not. It's a guy that got, it's that guy and it's Mitt Romney. OK, and that's who's there. Everybody else is gone and they're either retiring or that everybody else has left. Paul Ryan left. Anybody yeah. that was sort of normal is gone. What yeah. the Republican Party now is, is the party of Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates and the woman who got thrown out of Beetlejuice the musical for grabbing her date's dick. Yeah, that's what Republicans are now. So vote accordingly. Vote okay. accordingly. I do. I made another thing, LB. I made this. Let me I see. was on a roll this morning. Okay. All right. Let me see. Uh, we want to thank. Stuff. This is the announcement. We want to thank everybody for uh, for watching, for subscribing, for joining, for being members. We appreciate you. There will be an after hours tonight because we haven't done one in two weeks. We're doing one tonight. Yes, um, we are. Sometimes people have a problem figuring out where to, because on the phone, it doesn't work right. So if you go okay. to the laptop, you can see, if you click on subscribe, just do that because it doesn't cost, it literally, all you have to do is click and it helps us out. Uh, to become a member, you click join and then you can become a member. You can watch the after hours. We have a guest on the after hours. It'd be good. That'll be good. It'll be good. Do you want to say who uh, our guest is? Eh, I. What if she does? What if something happens? I always the he reason I never announce the guest. I'm always afraid people are gonna scroll down. So I can't see if she's in the if she's in the green. No, room. no, because she's it's not this one. It's the it's the next one. It's two different stream yards. So she's oh, not yeah, there. Yeah, she's it's in early the anyway. Stream. Now I okay. texted her two hours ago. Her I her think name she's gonna be there. Yeah, her name rhymes with um, Randy Lakeham. So I think. Yeah. <laughs> If you want to hear her her tale of woe, no, no, uh, let's promote it. If she doesn't show yeah. up, if she doesn't show up. We're, we're, but and we'll be in there. We'll apologize. We want you to join anyway. Um, but for those of you who've already joined and you want to come on over to the after show because um, hopefully Sandy Bacon will be there with us. Sandy Bacon will be there. She'll yeah, be there. yeah, I, yeah. I, I get insecure because I'm an insecure person. I, I understand. I'm not I'm insecure. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm insecure. <laughs> I'm not and uh, I was pretty secure about Arthur. I was like, yeah, he'll come. It's, he's good. It's yeah. good. We're all good. So, yeah. uh, yeah, but, uh, no, Sandy's going to come on, you know, she lost her Twitter account. She came back. We're going to, we're going to fucking just piss on Elon Musk for like an hour. That's what we're going to do. Oh, yay. Okay. Work. Let's do that. So, okay. Uh, those are the announcements again. Thank you. Thank you for joining. We appreciate you. We're not great about saying this stuff, but we do appreciate it. Yeah, um, we do. And, uh, you know, if, if you have friends that uh, you have any influence over, just ask, tell them to just click the damn box and uh, you know, subscribe because it would uh, it subscribe, helps. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It helps us out. All right, the clock. Okay, is number five. Clock is ticking. Picking scabs. Mm. LB, what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, we can even be short with this and okay. and go out a little early because I'm just going to make it real simple. Drew Barrymore is a scab. What is a scab? A scab is uh, someone who crosses a picket line when a union or goes ahead and continues going back to work when they're either part of a union or they have union employees who are picketing and they go ahead and cross that line. Now, it, the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild are technically guilds, uh, not unions. It's a sliver of a difference between that. Um, unions are uh, like there's, there's trade unions and then there's, other, there's a couple, two different kinds of unions generally. Um, so, and then a guild is where, okay, we don't all work for the same employer, but we're in the same business. Um, and so like the architects have a guild. Like, so in this guild, we're gonna, we're gonna form some basic general practices that everybody who 
uh, we work with is going to have to agree to. And we do have collective bargaining agreements, a master, what we call a master bargaining agreement. Um, and we represent ourselves. We're independent contractors, writers and actors. Um, but there's a minimum amount that you need to pay us uh, in order to engage us in certain levels of work. And those minimum requirements are negotiated in our contracts with all of the people. And we represent ourselves in doing that. We don't have like, it's not the Teamsters Union where the, there's a Teamsters group of people that aren't necessarily the laborers, right, that are working on that. So there's subtle differences. I don't want to get into all of them. I just want to say it's still a scab. Even if you're breaking, <laughs> even if you're, even if she's, um, you know, we're a guild, not a union, and she's going for it. Because I saw people bringing up that argument. And she had this oh, very teary thing. I just want to own my own choice and my decision. And this is why in the pandemic and then blah, 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 blah. She cried on Twitter or whatever, whatever the fuck, Instagram or whatever. Here's the deal. She has writers on her show. Her show is a guild signatory, which means it agrees to the collective bargaining agreement. And because we are on strike, her writers are not showing up for work. So for her to continue to put her show, to, to produce her show while the strike is going on, somebody has to do that work. I don't care if it's her just sitting there riffing instead of there being writing she's she doesn't have permission of the guilds to go ahead and do that because all the talk shows are part of the strike they have writers those writers are out there sacrificing everything and she is just going on without her writers it doesn't matter that she's in sag and she's the one doing the writing is she still taking somebody else's job as a non-writer writing mm. Okay. Do you understand? She's yeah, taking yeah. their job and doing their job. It doesn't matter if she herself is in some other guild. She's a scab in ours. Ooh, okay. Say that again, because I think I, I'm going to say it, because this is a good point. Yeah. The reason she's a scab is that she's taking the writer's jobs and the writers are on strike. Yes. And it doesn't matter if she's also the host of the show, you know? Doesn't, doesn't fucking matter. matter. It would be like when the players go on strike in the remember when the NFL when they had like replacement players for the, during the strike. You yeah. don't remember this because you don't. But I don't the, watch. The, yeah, yeah, there, there were replacement players that came in and they broke the picket line and they all sucked, right? And uh, it doesn't matter. The replacement player could be the owner of the fucking New York Giants. It doesn't matter. You're doesn't taking, matter. You're taking, you're taking the job, job from the union person. Right. Therefore. Yeah. And at the most critical moment of the biggest strike in Hollywood history. She's fucking with it. Yeah. So you also show solidarity with other guilds if you're in a guild for this reason. This is a good point. Okay. By the way, Drew has a reported net worth of 100. She doesn't need the. She doesn't need the money, and she certainly could find resources to pay. By the way, plenty of other very well, highly paid individuals are. If, uh, making sure that there's loans available or money available so that people don't lose their homes. Yes. There's all other kinds of people that are employed beyond the writers because of the writing, by the way. And those individuals are suffering as well. We're all suffering and there's funds and there's actors putting million dollar donations into those funds. There's people that have the kinds of resources she have that are supporting the workers who are fucking just trying to get a, agreement with these motherfuckers that allow us to have a living yeah 
and we just want a decent living. This isn't, it's, it's really, you can't afford to write on these shows with how there's how the business is structured right now. The business model is fucked up and we're trying to change that. And the people with all the money are preventing that because the business model that's fucked up for us is really profiting them personally, not just their companies, their personal salaries are off the fucking charts. Yeah. So that's what we're up against. She's a scab. Don't listen to any of it. And Bill Maher's a fucking piece of shit. I'm sorry. Come and sue me. He is. He's a, he's a, it just, I, I, I think uh, his father was an orangutan. Oh yeah. yeah. Maybe his dad was, his dad I'm was joking an because, because an angry he said, old, he maybe his dad that, was Beetlejuice. Uh, he said that Trump's dad was an orangutan. And I understand. Sued. And he got yeah. sued. So yeah. I, 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 yeah, it's don't listen to these people. Listen to the folks that are out there that, that are fighting for um, a decent living wage. How about that? How about listening to us? My God. So Gross. if you're very more, it's worth all that money. What she could do. Cause she, her, her argument is, these people need to have jobs and like how many people work on her show? Like realistically, like 50 tops. Right. Well, she's got a whole empire she's building. No, no, so... no I'm talking about the show. Cause she's yeah. going on the show on the show. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how big her, I don't know how big her operation. How big is. can it fucking possibly be? It's a fucking talk show. Like, how many people can... <laughs> it's a like, talk show. She they can't just pay, and... just give them money until the yeah. fucking strike is over. Come on. Mm, I mean, I can't even. Yeah, I can't it, it's, even. A, it's an ego thing. She wants to be, yeah. you know, she wants to be there. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's that. ET phone home. And if you phone home, you would find out that, uh, yeah, ET mothership would, does not approve. Yeah, ET would get on the ship and leave. Like, he's not, this is not, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. I don't care how much you cry and say you're being authentic and you want to own your shit. Just stop doing the thing that's hurting people. How about that? Don't apologize. I don't know, though. Don't apologize and continue with the behavior. What are you you doing? What we haven't considered is how desperately the world needs the Drew Barrymore show. Oh, please. I mean, it's so important. It's such an artistic expression. Ah, We got to go now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thought I would goad you into something. No, I'm going to I'm going to transition out of here. Okay, we're going to do the after hours. So if you are a member, you can join the after hours. We'll be posting it. Um, it's on the YouTube page. I'm gonna. It'll be on the YouTube page. You can find it on the YouTube page. Uh, wait, I think that maybe now. Uh, yeah, True Player is gonna gonna list it in the in the. Um... Wonderful, and I'll do my best. It's very hard to find the comments to post in the in the. And credits, but I'll do my best. I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Um, We love seeing you. We see you in the comments, even if we can't keep track of it all. Um, So we love love that you comment. Again, please join. Please subscribe. Even in basic, just hit that subscribe button. We will be back next week. We're going to be in the after hours. And Greg. Yeah? Remember? We're going to get through this. The 5-8 is hosted by me, Greg Oliar, and LB, Stephanie Koff. Animation is by Chunk, at Chunkled. The music is My Spy, by Howie King, the sum of all music. Please like, share, and subscribe, here and on YouTube. 
Become a 5-8 member and support our show. Go to the5-8.com. That's the F-I-V-E number 8.com. Join the party this weekend. We're your Friday night hang.